You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us take our Bibles and read together of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the first chapter, Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ. <coughs> When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, 
far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. The text for this afternoon is Ephesians 1, verse 17. Let's once more read it together. 17 and the beginning of 18. I keep asking, the Apostle Paul says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, beloved brothers and sisters, you know as well as I do that in order to see, to see things around you, you need light in your eyes. You may have wonderful eyes, healthy and fine, but if there is no light in your eyes, if you cannot catch that light with your eyes, you don't see a thing. And that is actually what this afternoon the sermon is all about. You often don't think about those things. And that's no wonder, for usually, especially if you are young, Older people have more trouble, cataracts, etc. Usually you have no problems. And everything is fine. Then you don't think about it. But in fact it is amazing if you talk to the specialist or you need new glasses and you ask him what all can go wrong with your eyes? And if it is more serious trouble, then mostly the doctor, the eye doctor will tell you that there is more wrong than only these things there in your head. And if that light totally disappears from your eyes, then you are really handicapped. If you had no light in your eyes, you couldn't have come here in church, couldn't drive a car, weren't even allowed. Very important to have light in your eyes. And that brings us to the message of this afternoon, Paul's prayer, that the Lord may enlighten the eyes of our heart. I have no further points, yeah, I have many points, but not the usual three or two. First, Paul prays first and foremost for the brothers and sisters 
in Ephesus. But there is a little bit of exegetical problem with the first verse that faithful some translations have to the congregation of Christ and all the faithful. We take it as such. All the faithful here in Langley also. Paul prays for the holy Catholic Christian church that God may enlighten their eyes in order that they may know that Lord, that God and Father called here the glorious Father, that they may know Him better. You need light in your eyes. Don't say too quickly, my eyes are fine. For you never know. People sometimes don't realize that there is something wrong. That their eyesight is very poor. And there are also people who do know about it. But of course, if you get older, you get that. Uh, They don't want to act. Oh, no, no, there is nothing wrong with my eyes. I can see the letters on the board yet. That is fine. Maybe I need a new pair of glasses or so. That is now exactly what the Lord wants to warn us for this afternoon. It seems that you can see But in the meantime, all things go wrong. Prime example is Paul, the apostle. When he was a young fellow, he loved the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and he was a zealot. He was, he went to do everything for that law of the Lord. Psalm 19, you could almost say was written on the tables of his heart. He loved it, the law of God, and he tried to keep it very precise. In the meantime, he persecuted the church of Christ. Christ himself says, you persecuted me, Paul. Later on, you know from your Bible, Paul wrote about it in a letter to the Philippians. There he tells them, I put it in my own words, there he tells those Christians in Philippi, I thought that I had it all, that I had made it up with God, fulfilled all righteousness, and I was still adding to it every day, to my own righteousness, until God opened my eyes, enlightened my eyes. Then I saw how blurry my vision was how poor and miserable how many blind spots I had you know what blind spots are if you come in Ontario and you go over the sky bridge from Burlington to Smithfield and there are the signs and sometimes there is the sign watch your blind spots before you change lanes You know what the blind spot is. Keep that in mind. I think there are also here older people who have had operation on their eye, cataract operation or another kind. They had to go to a specialist. And sometimes those specialists, those eye specialists, to find out problems with your eyes, 
They have a certain test. They put a big picture in front of you on a big table and they ask you to put your hand on the things which you see. That is a house and there is a little river and there is a bridge. And if there is something wrong with your eyes, then it is striking that you always only point to what is in the margin, what is on the sidelines, in the border, in the middle, what's in the middle they can't see. That escapes their attention because of something is wrong, the fact that something is wrong with their eyes. If you had that illness in your eyes, then when you looked here to the pulpit, you would see that tree, and you would see that tree, and maybe that light, and maybe if I do this, my hands, but you really wouldn't look, see me, now you wouldn't miss much, in a reformed church that is not so important to see the minister, you would hear maybe the accent, and so I know that a well-known voice yet from the past, but in a Reformed church, the hearing of God's word is the most important and the seeing with the sacraments. But when there is something wrong with your eyes, it can be terrible. Suppose that you could not look your wife in the eyes anymore, that you only saw arm here and there, and vice versa, See in your eyes. And you know, brothers and sisters, boys, girls, what would be the worst? What would be the worst, you think? That you live in this world. That you live here in Langley. Walk around. Drive around. And you never see God. Sometimes people don't even see God in church. At the Lord's Supper. Or with a baptism. That would be terrible. Then you are really challenged. And handicapped. If you have a blind spot. There that you miss out on God. In this world. In the church. That would be disaster. And therefore, and now we talk actually about the need of this prayer, therefore Paul prays, Lord, enlighten the eyes of their heart. Also, the eyes of those people in Langley. That was point one. Point two, it is striking that in the meantime, Paul mentions here, not just our eyes, but that he calls them the eyes of our heart. Does my heart have eyes? Can you see with your heart? Is that possible? I would almost say, of course. Of course. Everybody knows that. For the way you look at things, the way you observe things, and what you observe even sometimes, is mostly a matter of your heart. Some people who have traveled to the same place come back with stories totally different. I saw this and this and that, 
Another one say, I saw that and that and that. That depends on your heart. How that is. Your character, I would almost say. Some people are somber of mind. They always see things, yeah, somewhat negative, the dark sides, never optimistic, hardly ever, ever joyful. Maybe they can't help it, but that is not nice. We see with our heart. On the other way around, also, if I may take that example, a young guy meeting a girl, they really learn to like each other and to love each other. And if that is in your heart, strange, then everything looks different. The grass is greener and the sun is brighter and the moon is nicer. Different. For there is love in your heart. Your whole life lightens up. Everything looks wonderful. How come? How come? We see with our heart. Brothers and sisters, that comes close to what Paul has in mind here. Lord, enlighten the eyes of our heart. We know God through Jesus Christ. We know Him with our heart. And when you know God, then all things look different. The mountains tell you something of His majesty. A tiny flower of God spells out God's name. A little baby. Young couples, when you receive your first little baby, amazement. And also the other ones, every time again, you are with awe and amazement. You look at it and everything is right. Oh Lord! Therefore we sang Psalm 8. Our Lord, how majestic is your name through all the earth. For that is point three. Seeing God is not only a matter of church. In church, Lord's Supper, Bible, Catechism, Baptism. Seeing God, having your eyes enlightened, concerns all things. I know of a mother, it was not my own. Older days, little bit old fashioned maybe. But she did her homework, the vacuum and the washing and the whatever. After she did it singing a psalm or a hymn. That the Lord will send salvation and by day his love provide. And her son, that mother had died, told me, Reverend, I am convinced when my mother sang those songs and I heard it, I was convinced that she saw that salvation, that she saw something of the Lord and of that love which he by day by day provides. She saw it with her heart. And don't say that that is impossible. 
seeing God. For maybe you say God is, is, is invisible. How can you now see an invisible God? Do you know the answer? No? Read Hebrews 11. Of all those people, Abraham by faith and so on, Moses. He endured the suffering, a tough life. He wanted to be a God-fearing young man in Egypt, being adopted by the princess. Not easy, hard, difficult. But he, he kept it up. Faithful. How? Was he so strong? Of course not. He was tempted. Why? He saw, he says that, this Hebrews 11, 27, 7, because I saw him who is invisible. With the eyes of his heart, he saw God. And that pulled him through. That kept him going. Right with him. Next to him. Brothers and sisters, to see properly, you need light in your eyes, but then the eyes of your heart. For what fills, what directs, what controls your heart, that's what you see. If I may use two other examples, David and Joseph. All of you know King David. Wartime, he stayed home. When he was in his room, looking out over the fields, there was water, and he saw a beautiful lady taking a bath. And with these eyes, he thought, I'm not wherever. She'll be my wife. And with his heart, he saw someone whom he wouldn't mind to sleep with. He thought, that's mine. David, Joseph, in Egypt, young man. And there was a beautiful lady inviting him to sleep. With him. You know the story. With his eyes, these eyes, he saw her. But with his heart, he knew also that lady is made by God and should serve that God of Israel. And he loved that God, that covenant Lord, his creator and his maker too. With his heart, He saw the Lord, who is the center of his life, and he ran away from her. And and you know it, where did he end up? In an awful prison. Okay, I think you get the point. That's how you can look around in this world. And you can look at the beautiful lady. And ladies can look at the wonderful man. If their heart is filled with the fear of the Lord, they can do that with purity. 
Look around beautiful things. For your heart rests in God. Has found peace with God. And that peace fills your mind and your heart. Not that you always talk about it. Hallelujah this and hallelujah that. No. But he is my maker. And he is my redeemer. I know my identity. I know where I come from. From his hands. And I know where I go. And into his hands. An everlasting life. And see. That is decisive. Decisive. Where is your heart? The treasure. Where is your heart filled with? And who controls it? You can look at somebody or something. Your heart is filled with it. In such a way that you always are thinking about it, occupied with it, maybe even in your dreams. Maybe somebody did something bad to you or said something bad about you and you think, and what does that mean? And what did, why, how did, why did he do that? And why did he treat me so, so unjustly? Maybe you are very sensitive for injustice and, and thinking about it in your family relations or whatever, something happened and you cannot let go of it. It is always there again until you Realize what is happening to your heart. That it is as it were totally focused upon that one thing. Filled with it. Concentrated on it. Until you discover God in it. That He is testing you. Maybe through a Bible text. Maybe through a word of a good friend. You all of a sudden realize what am I doing to let my life be dominated and my heart be controlled by all. Is it that bad? And if you then see your God, your heart lights up, enlightened, then you see it. God tests those whom He loves. The Lord is working on me. And God is saying to me, can you not get over that little justice? This may be serious in your eyes, and maybe it is serious, but think of my son Jesus Christ. What an injustice! And he did it for you. Can you not get over it? Let go without letting up. For the sake of my, of the gospel, for the sake of me, your God, who has said that I will take care of you? Don't you trust that, that I will take care of you? Do you have to fix everything up what is crooked? You can. Of course we should try, try. But there comes a time that you have to say, I can't, oh God, I give it over to him who judges justly. And that you call, cast all your anxieties. 1 Peter 5. Cast all your anxieties. I know of two ministers in a concentration camp. They write it in the book. They talk together. And the anxieties, they said, let's let's think of Peter, what he told us. And through Peter, the Lord. And they said, what are you worrying about? And what are you worrying about? And they said to each other, let's make a, in our mind a, a big parcel of it. And a rope around it. And we, 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 we cast it in our prayer. And all walking they could not sit down of course so that 
the enemies would see that they were praying to God and all walking they prayed to the God and they casted their anxieties upon the Lord trusting God cares for his children and they also told each other after let's now not take it back for that's what we often do we pray to the Lord and we tell him our troubles and we keep on worrying and it keeps filling us our heart therefore it is so necessary to pray this prayer of Paul Lord enlighten the eyes of my heart that I may know you better as the one who cares even for me through Jesus Christ you laid all my transgressions upon him and therefore I acknowledge I don't deserve it but you do care for me every day is there a blind spot in your life maybe you say I love the Lord and I am happy to hear it then and I want to serve him yeah there is that brother or there is that situation that but I leave that alone well that might just be the trouble that might just be that that blind spot then you become selective in your service of the Lord this and that you agree with it and you are all for it and you run hard for it and you do everything for it but but other things watch out watch out you need this prayer Lord enlighten the eyes of my heart another point how do you get that light you can pray for it and we should pray for it continually but how about it what can we do further can we do anything the Holy Spirit will give us that light clear from the Bible speaks we sang about the Psalm 43 that light through his word through his word it does not come automatically and praying is not enough if you don't read your Bible regularly and if you don't read it properly properly can you read your Bible improperly yeah when I came into Carmen in 1958 from Holland I had to learn English yeah I had learned it in high school actually for six years but I didn't still understand they talked too quick and I couldn't follow it when they wrote it I could uh, see it that they made mistakes in the writing but the speaking the conversation we didn't learn that you know what they used to learn the English language they used Eaton's catalog we had to go to the store to buy schoenen shoes but what are schoenen in English Eaton's oh there they saw shoe oh shoe oh yeah cost over ready fixed and later on I sometimes followed their example I had to 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 get the nails from the to in the wall eh? 
And I talked about Niels and oh, wrong thing my wife said. Eating scatla. Look at there. Nails, A, etc. You know it better than I. Of course, Mr. Eatons didn't write that catalog to teach people in Carmen English. He wanted to sell his stuff. Why did God give you the Bible? To tell you about religious people? The one bad, the other good, and you should follow the good and not the bad? Is that it? No. Did he teach you the Bible you can learn from the King James? We used to, there in the beginning, to learn that old English. You can learn a lot of English from it, of course. But did God give the Bible to learn you, to teach you English? Of course not. Just an example, the Lord gave it to you that you may know him better. He opened his heart for you. Who he is for you, what he does for you and did for you and will do for you and what he did in Christ Jesus for you. He loves you. It is actually one bundle of love letters. And so read it. And sometimes even, even fill in your name. Fill in your name. Like here, you may do that. That can be sometimes so, so encouraging. For he chose us. And in the beginning I said it's also us. His holy Catholic Christian church of all times. Of which you are members. You may fill in your name. If your name is Johannes, you may say it. For he chose Johannes in Christ before the creation of the world. And you may go on like that. That strengthens you sometimes in your faith. And don't say that is irrespectful. The Lord knows your name. You are baptized into his name. It does not come automatically. Through his spirit and through his word. And read that word properly and continually. Go sometimes to your inner room and not hold chapters at the table when you have all kind of family around the table and children. There's nothing wrong with, of course, but but then it does not penetrate off. Then it comes here in your mind and in your brains, but not here in your heart. And read it. And listen to the preaching of God's word. In such a way that you realize the kingdom is open for me. The doors go open. That is always the function of that word and the reading of the word and the preaching of the word. Open the kingdom. If you reject it, if you sit in church as if it could, you couldn't care less and hunger and desire that the service is over, then of course, don't talk about light and your heart and this and that. Then you should kneel before the Lord at home and say, Lord, change my heart and fill my heart with the fear of your name. But also if you love him, sometimes still people read a few verses. Oh yeah, so is it. He has predestined us before the, for, for the world and you can debate about it and there are discussions about it and the book goes closed. It doesn't touch your heart. 
that doesn't move your life. Therefore, read your Bible constantly and properly. With the purpose God has given it to you, then the Holy Spirit is knocking at your heart. Let me in. Open up for me. I want to lighten up the eyes of your heart. Don't ever doubt that promise that the Lord will give to you and to you, each one here, that light, that Holy Spirit to guide you and to enlighten you, that you may know God better. Don't ever doubt it. The Bible talks about seven spirits, that is the fullness of the Spirit. The Bible talks about seven churches, all the churches, seven the revelation. There is enough spirit, enough spirit for all the churches and for all the church members. He will give it to you. Trust his promise and so pray and read your Bible. Not automatically, few verses, boom, close. No. And then Paul, we are almost at the end. Then Paul mentions two things concerning that Holy Spirit. I start again with the last one. A spirit of revelation and a spirit of wisdom. He calls it in verse 17. A spirit of revelation. That means of course that God reveals himself. Makes himself known through his spirit in his word. That he tells who he is, what he has done. That we know him better. And know that has always the connotation in the Bible of Psalm 139. We learn that also he knows us from the beginning of our life to the very end. When we open up our eyes, we will find out that we still, if we love him, are with the Lord after our death. He knows us, he loves us, is concerned about us, he cares for us. That's all included in that word, know. To know, also from our side, to love, to be dedicated, to be committed, to care for the Lord and his business. To know him better, that is the purpose. Only... Only what happens sometimes, sometimes it happens that the Lord reveals himself. There are instances in the, in the Bible that the Lord showed himself or something of himself and that the people didn't see it. They didn't notice it. They were not aware of it. Do you know one? In the Old Testament, Genesis, who saw the Lord and was not aware of it. Jacob, you know, I can't tell the whole story, that would take too long. Trouble with Esau, Jacob also thought, I have to do it. Had the Lord had promised him that, that the younger one would get the blessing over and not the older one, Esau. But Jacob thought, oh, that will never happen, takes so long. And he started to work on it, he would do it, he would make it happen. He would fulfill that promise of God. And he brought God in trouble with Esau. Esau was after him. He had to flee. He lays down. He camps for a night on the stone as his pillow. And then that dream is that ladder. And later on he says, he says, God was at this place and I did not know it. Totally blind. I was for my God while he showed me Jacob 
I care for you. I will fulfill my promise on my time. Trust me. And then Jacob took a stone, that stone, and he built an altar and he called it Bethel. Nice name for a church. Bethel. The house of the Lord God was here. But first, he didn't realize it at all. You can also think of the disciples. They were with the Lord Jesus almost always for at least three years. And and, and, and they, they heard him preach the Sermon on the Mount. They saw him heal people. What a revelation. If there ever were people who had revelation, those disciples. But when at the time there were 5,000 people listening to the Lord Jesus and there was no bread and they were hungry, and it was too far away to buy it. The Lord Jesus said to them, You do give, you give it food. We, we can do that, there's not enough. So long with the Lord Jesus, and you know the rest of what happened. So long with the Lord Jesus, and still they did not know him. They still did not know him. Must sometimes be hard for our Savior that being of little faith they had seen him and they knew that he was in their midst they could have called on him so long with him and they did not see it they had to know to learn to know him better they needed light in their eyes and the Lord Jesus himself said once am I that long among you and you still are slow in acknowledging me, acknowledging my power, acknowledging my compassion. Brothers and sisters, let's watch out. We can love the Lord and we can have the word of God in our home and even read it. And still that we don't see Him. Let's pray. And we will do it after the sermon. That the Lord will enlighten the eyes of our heart. The Spirit gives us wisdom. Through revelation wisdom. That means practical experience. Practical wisdom. What to do, not to do. That is not that you get all a doctor's degree. Nothing wrong with getting a doctor's degree. Fine if you have the talent and the money and the opportunity. Do it. But this is that practical wisdom, how to serve the Lord in difficult situations, to help a brother or sister, to give a solution, a biblical solution. Wisdom, a spirit of revelation, a spirit of wisdom. Uh, that does not come automatically. You have of those automatic lights, which you know, when you go to your friend and it is dark here in Winnipeg, or that is in Winnipeg. My friend had that, and you walked around the house and bloop, the light goes on. But the trouble is to face those uh, electronic lights that bloop, in a minute they go out. And sometimes people read the Bible like that. Ephesians 1 The Lord has chosen us in Christ and those beautiful verses which we read together the Bible is closed. That doesn't do it. That does not do it. The Lord speaks to us in the Bible. He does not speak about him, he brings us through his word, his love, 
The sermon is not about religious people. It is not about salvation. He brings us salvation. He distributes it. My professor in Campen taught us, if you preach God's word faithfully, biblically, then the blood of Christ is dripping upon the congregation and they receive it. The forgiveness of sins, different than the Lord's Supper, by the hearing, not by the seeing and by the eating and the drinking. They get it. They receive it. Lead your canons of Dort. There you can read about it. The Lord gave us a whole Bible book. That's the last point. Revelation. The book of Revelation. There he tells us about himself. What he did. What he does. And what he will do. And sometimes you look at the news. For your TV nowadays. And you say I cannot see it. I cannot I can't do much for me, all that murder, all that violence, all that bombing there in the Palestine, in Iraq, in Afghanistan. There is hardly any good news, all the abuse and terrible things. I see too much. Shut it out. Brothers, sisters, the problem is not that we see too much. The problem sometimes is that we see too little. Look at that book of Revelation. That last one. Thunder and lightning and judgments and pain and what a disasters over the world. But in the middle, in the middle, the throne of God. In the middle, Jesus, the Christ, the Lion from the tribe of Judah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, He, He rules. Beautifully we read it. All dominion given to Him for the church. For you. For you, for you, personally, congregation. For you. What a privileged people we are in the middle class. And we so often don't see him. So look at the news. With a spirit of wisdom. A spirit of revelation. And pray your God. That you may know your God better. Better. For Paul speaks here. Why do we do it? Expecting that great inheritance. That new world to come. Pray for enlightened eyes that you may be there when the inheritance is divided up and you arrive in that new world of Jesus Christ. Pray to your God. Enlighten the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I may know you better and may see you in that new world having received my hair on That is our hope. That is our expectation. And then the morning star will rise in your heart and give you light. Then the day will come that you see your glorious Father in heaven. He, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your God, your Savior. Amen.
This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.